Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the president here at Builder Funnel. And each episode, we bring you marketing and sales strategies to fuel growth for your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to episode number 25 of Builder Funnel Radio. In this episode, I sit down with Dominic Rubino, and he has built and sold a couple of businesses, and now he is coaching cabinet makers and contractors in order to help them grow their businesses. And so we talk about kind of all areas of the business, everywhere from having not enough time to sales, all the way to even how to exit your business when you're ready to retire or pass it along to a family member or somebody within the business. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. There's a couple of really good nuggets of information that we uncover and a few good resources that we'll link to in the show notes as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Again, episode number 25 of Builder Funnel Radio with Dominic Rubino. How's it going, Dominic? Great. How are you, Spencer? Doing well. Glad to have you on the show today. Glad to have you uh, be with you on the show. (laughs) Yeah. So just as a quick introduction, I'd like to have you just kind of talk about your background a little bit in in business, and then we'll kind of work on the transition into, you know, how did you get into the construction space? So do you mind sharing with our audience just a little bit about your background? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I come to the construction business from a bit of an odd angle, I guess. My my background is in professional sales and operations, and that's how I came into entrepreneurship. And so I, you know, I started, and I won't give you the whole story from too far back, but um, <laughs> Uh, I was in telecom for a long time, and that's a very fast-paced, high-change business. And I got out of that, and I got into business coaching. That was about 18 years ago now. And then when I got into business coaching, I started to spin off some other businesses of my own while I was coaching people, really because I saw what coaching could do. And I, I'd go home and think, why don't I do this for myself? <laughs> and so in the last 18 years, I guess really the last 15 uh, of those 18, I've spun off two different multinational uh, companies and sold both of them. I'm in the process of selling one of them right now. As wow. we speak. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you went through this process of, I guess, growing a couple of businesses and then working through sale and exit and everything. Right. And so what's the tie in with the, you know, the construction space, you know, you said you've done some coaching, but why the interest or the passion there? Yeah. So the, the business I'm selling right now is a coaching business. So I have a, a network of coaches that my partner and I have built up. We have 237 business coaches all around the world, and we teach this system for business reinvention. And I'm selling that now really because I was traveling too much, way yeah. too much. And I didn't want to be the traveling dad anymore. It was affecting my family, and that's not, not why I'm here. So I decided to sell that. I'm actually selling it to some franchisees, which is fantastic. It's uh, in, in the business of franchising, it couldn't be any better. <laughs> But when I look back at, at uh, what I enjoyed most about being a business coach, it was working actually with tradespeople. And then if I went further down the line of what kind of tradespeople, a lot of finished wood trades over the years. And so over the years, and so I started Cabinet Maker Profit System as a podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and how long have you been running that podcast? About a year now. Okay. That's yeah, awesome. about a year. Even though I've been coaching forever, the podcast is new. It's still a new medium. It is. Lots to learn. It's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. So you're working with cabinet makers and contractors now. And um, I guess I'm curious, you know, what do you think are the most common challenges that you see facing those guys? <laughs> yeah, it's it's different for everybody, as it is for all businesses. You know, in some ways, we're so different. In other ways, we're all the same. The The challenges that I've seen consistently over the years, and remember, this is over 18 years. So some of it 
sometimes there's trends that move things or change things. You know, when the economy sure. took a tanker, uh, uh, that changed the questions we were getting as business coaches. Uh, in some economies, like where you are and where I am, building is on the boom, and so labor becomes a problem. But in general, the challenges that I see relate to time. You know, business owners' time, either their personal time, which is a big one, uh, just like me, I didn't yeah. want to travel anymore, yeah, or sure. operational time, like the lean aspect of, of efficient manufacturing. So time, uh, team, so people, HR, staffing, hiring, uh, money, should have started with money. Everybody wants to make more money. <laughs> I, I have yet to have a phone call where somebody said, hey, Dom, we're bleeding cash. Can you help us bleed more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So profitability and, and cash flow and things like that. And then increasingly, and this has been a trend over, I'd say the last eight years, is this whole concept of exit strategy or growth strategy. I guess just aging population, people are saying, how do I transition this business to the next generation and get paid? Yeah, totally. And and on that subject, I find that a lot of these businesses are family businesses. And if the next generation isn't ready to take over, or has no interest, it becomes fairly challenging to, to figure out a good way to, to exit in a lot of cases. Right, right. It is it is difficult. And, and not only is the let's say the new person, maybe not ready to take it on. I'll ask the tough question. Is the person letting it go, ready to let it go? Totally. It's, it's, uh, it's not easy on either side sometimes. <laughs> now you yeah. have 109 years in the construction industry. I know you're a young guy, but you've been, your family's been in the industry forever. Yeah, you know, and I found this aging cream that allowed me to continue working, you know, those 109 years. So, no, no, yeah, it dates back to, I think, my great-great-grandfather or something like that, and um, just a long line of builders out in the Seattle area. And so my uncles run the business today, and, you know, I've I've been involved with different parts of the business, you know, growing up, but came in more from the the marketing angle and, and never, you know, was necessarily framing and, and building houses certainly done my fair share of demoing and working on job sites. Yeah. Have, would it be fair to say though, that you've probably seen tense dinner conversations around family business issues? <laughs> uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to be on, on the positive side of most of the, the interactions, but I've heard through the grapevine, through other family members, some of those conversations. That happens. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's challenging. And I think it definitely takes people that are aware of the types of issues that come up and being able to work through through those on the business side and then be able to either put it aside when it comes to family gatherings and that sort of thing, or, or just be comfortable with navigating that and knowing that sometimes things are going to be tough and feeling it and being okay with it and, and try not to, you know, to have this ripple effect, so to speak. So, um, but I want to jump back to, to one of your early challenges that you mentioned, which was time. And, you know, you brought that up as something that you've been navigating and saying, hey, I want to make some adjustments. So I guess, how do you f- tackle that when you first bump into somebody and they say, hey, I'm, I'm just strapped for time. I'm working these long weeks, long hour days. How do I get out of that? Yeah, I, I wish it was a simple, straightforward answer, which is what everybody wants. Sure. Yeah, we all want the magic. Yeah. <laughs> magic bullet, one single pill. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does, however, come down to a couple of different really easy to understand concepts. Putting them in place isn't hard either, but it takes a bit of discipline. The uh, The big thing is understanding priorities. And the priorities are uh, what we call tensions in our mind. There's actually a really good book on this and not and it's not one that I wrote, unfortunately. <laughs> um, a lot of people will know of it because it's a little bit older now, but it's called The E-Myth Revisited 
yeah. by a gentleman named uh, Michael Gerber. You're not, have you read it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great Excellent one. book. Yeah. In that book, Gerber talks about the three ways that a business owner sees the world. There's the entrepreneur, you know, the very future focused. There's the manager, which is focused on the past, and then te- the technician on today. And if we as business owners understand our our highest and best value to the company is actually that future focused entrepreneur, then time management becomes a lot easier because you understand what your true role is in the company. It is no longer that you're the guy on the tools. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, you know, that's super good advice, which is, okay, where should I be using my time? Where should it be allocated? And recognizing that you need to be working on certain types of activities, high level activities, strategic direction. I guess I'll push back on you a little bit and say, okay, that's great. I get that. But now I actually have to release this task to somebody else and not work on that. So for those people that I guess are a little bit uncomfortable delegating, or they think maybe somebody can't do that as well, you know, what are, what are some things that you can kind of put in place, whether that be systems or just a method to that to feel a little bit better about relinquishing some of those responsibilities? Yeah. I think some people are going to be surprised at my answer here. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I like unique answers. Okay. You need something, okay. something different. So, so it, and this is speaking in generalities. I don't know everybody's situation, but I, I know that for over the last 18 years and seeing it multiple times, it comes down to communication and accountability. And I'll just go one step further. What does communication mean? Yeah. It actually means having more meetings than you're having now. <laughs> Sorry, Spencer, a whole bunch of people just stopped the podcast and yeah. they said, this is no good. Get me out of the meetings. Yeah. yeah. More <laughs> meetings? But here's what I mean by that. More, shorter, more effective meetings. I'm not talking about one-hour meetings that lead off to nowhere. I'm talking about 15-minute or less meetings that have a very definite purpose, and then they are closed out with action items, and then we go on with our day. I like it. Communications and accountability. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And we do something here that I don't know. I mean, maybe it would fall into that category, but we do a daily stand-up or a daily huddle, something like that. You've just nailed it. It's the huddle. Seven to 10 minutes tops. And, you know, we go around the room and everybody says what they're working on. And we go through our our group project together and everyone, you know, gets an update and then boom, we're on our way. And and I found that to be super helpful. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about? It is exactly, well, that's a piece of it. Now, now let me ask, what happens in your company when you miss the huddle? What's the impact to the company when you guys don't have that meeting? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess uh, we try to not miss it. So I'm trying to think the last time we missed it and what happens, but you kind of feel a little le- less connected to your teammates. It just Bingo. Like, oh, I wonder what yep. they're working on. And, um, and then sometimes you need a piece of information. So you end up going to seek them out anyway, you know, because yeah. you had that. Yeah, and so you find yourself reactive. Now you're yeah, you're totally. you're taking off your tasks, going chasing people, stop, stopping them from doing what they're doing. So that huddle concept, if people want to do more info on that, certainly they can contact me or you. You've done it. I did a, an entire podcast on that with a gentleman gentleman named Ankit, uh, who does it at Kitply. But the source of that comes from a book called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. It's a tough read but it's worth it. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I put that back in the classics category with, uh, with E-Myth and yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one. Is there another, another meeting that you feel like is kind of critical besides the daily huddle, daily standup, whatever you want to call it, that, that you feel like people should put into that bucket when you mentioned communication, you know, but effective meetings? Yeah, 
So I, can I do two? Because I think there's, there's I'll give two. You two. Yeah, I'll give it. Okay. <laughs> so one of them is is one that I think most people are already doing. It's the toolbox meeting, you know, the with the actual manufacturing floor or with your install team or out in the field, right? So what are we doing? How are we doing it? And then also, very importantly, adding on the uh, safety component or, you know, dealing with changing marijuana laws, whatever has to be dealt with that happens in that regular meeting. That doesn't have to be daily, three times a week, twice a week is probably good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good one. one. Sorry, Spencer. Oh, I just said, yeah, that's, that's a good one. So we've got that one and the, and the daily huddle. And you said you had another one. Yeah, the other one, this is actually one of the most popular things people download off my site, which is called uh, the finance and forecast meeting. Uh, ah. I was getting so many requests for that kind of topic that I created a meeting agenda and scripts for people. So they just print it off. They've got the agenda. They've got the script, what to say. And then there's a little bit at the end there where you you actually put back on your team the request. Give us ideas. Give the team ideas how we can either be more efficient in what we do or make more money doing what we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And And maybe you can give just a quick summary of that meeting and then i'd love to point people to that that download in the show notes afterwards for sure yeah let please it's a free download it's right there so it's called the finance or forecast meeting with agenda and scripts so in the agenda it's actually written with the um, business owner in mind the person that's going to be chairing that meeting and it shows that business owner how to manage the finance person if they're two different people Sometimes they're not. Yeah, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not. But it also guides uh, as to what numbers to look for on a regular basis. And the whole premise of the thing is that money is just cold. Money is just an inanimate thing. But talking about money, that can get hot. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the the purpose of that agenda and script is to remove the temperature, if you will, just to keep it very factual and and understand that if you're meeting about it all the time, there's there's no wild swings and there are less wild swings in emotion. So the agenda is there and the script is there. So you, you can literally read from it and you can hand it out to the rest of the people on the team so they know what to expect. And especially when starting it out, nobody feels um, uh, like they're walking into a trap because talking sure. about money gets hot. And if you're not used to doing it, then it, it can be a little dicey at, at first. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. I think, uh, well, we'll definitely link that up so people can grab that agenda and utilize that. You know, before, I guess we talked about, you know, time, and we've talked about these meetings, and you mentioned a few other challenges. And one of those was money, you said that, yeah. you know, typically, if, if somebody's bleeding money, they, they don't ask you to, to bleed some more, let's burn this. If somebody says, hey, you know, we're, we're super busy, you know, we're, sales are fine, or everybody's running around, and it seems like we're, we're utilizing all of our time. Why are we losing money? Are there certain places that you look first, you know, when trying to diagnose, the, you know, this or yeah. uh, how do you tackle that? Yeah, it's funny. I'm working on that right now as, a, as actually creating a course here on it because there's it's a big question. You know, where where am I losing money and why? Well, the first one is in the finances. And there's a couple of offshoots from that. It's your uh, do you have proper bookkeeping or accounting in place? And there's trends that, you know, people talk about getting to the next level. Yeah. And it's this fuzzy, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. How do I know I got there? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, but getting to the next level usually means investing time or money, whatever it is in a new system or process. And so if you're the business owner, who's currently doing the books, then the next level for you means getting a bookkeeper who reports to you. If you already have all those systems in place and you have an accountant, it's, it means maybe, uh, clarifying the information flow back and forth or cleaning up some of the things in the books. But the the money part and knowing your costs and, and being confident you're estimating, all of those things relate back to money and profit leaks. And there's just so many places that we're, we're seeing 
money being lost. And it's not one big gaping wound. It's like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Right. And so the positive side of that is all you have to do is fix one cut a week, maybe one every two weeks. And if you do that, you fix 25 of those cuts this year. And that's a pretty good start for stopping those those leaks in in profit uh, profitability. Yeah, that's interesting. So you feel like it's not actually one or two big areas, but you just kind of go through the list and you're going, gosh, there's just all these places are off by 3%, 5%. Yeah. And that kind of comes down to just budgeting discipline and and it's tough, right? You start making more money. You tend to just spend up to that level, just like people do in their personal lives. Right. So, and and is that kind of the approach that you use then where you say, Hey, okay, we've, we've got our financials in place. Maybe you've hired the bookkeeper, you've got the systems, but then every week you just go down the list and you go, okay, this line item, let's dig into it and see what's going on there. Yeah. When you're working with, and hopefully people have a business coach and if they don't use this podcast as part of, you know, seeking that mentoring, but what a business owner should be trying to do is not hit a home run every week, just hit singles, just hit good, solid singles every week and advance the play. That's all you've got to do. And, and I'm guilty of this myself, Spencer, you might be too, but I, I see everything that I need to do to make my business better. And I want to just, I can't actually twinkle my nose, but I just want to, <laughs> I want to do it and have everything fixed. Yeah. Now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Eventually I feel like you become you either get used to the fact that it's never all going to be fixed or, or you become numb to it or something. And you just go, okay, fine. You know, what can I work on today? You know, yeah. just, just being okay with that. Yeah. And it's a matter of priorities. I mean, um, uh, I have had big wins. I've seen people do some big wins on the, on, on the cash side. One of them was uh, a business owner. It's a family business. Son took over from the dad, a great name in the business, super personable son running it now. And he would, uh, he insisted on looking at all the invoices before they went out, but he was also super busy and he liked being in the field, talking to people and shaking hands. So he was holding up the invoicing process by three days or a week. Then when he finally got to sit down at his desk to do his work, he would give discounts. He'd go like, Spencer, oh my, our grandfathers work together. Just take off 10%. Great guy. I love working with him. But he kept doing that all the time. Oh, man. And so that was that was actually more of a profit gash. That was not elite. So we went through. And once you identify that, once the business owner recognizes that he had identified that, the actions become really simple. And delegation becomes easier because you can see he's late, which is <laughs> day's cash outstanding. Totally. And then given 10% discount for no reason. Double whammy there. Yeah, yeah. That's, I bet that was a huge uh, a huge win. Maybe a grand slam on that fix. Yeah, yeah exactly. A grand slam. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, um, well, let's shift gears. And, and I want to talk about sales a little bit. And, and my uncle always used to tell me, you know, nothing happens until something gets sold. Oh, that's a Brian Tracy quote. Did you know is that? It? I did not. I never knew where it originated. I was pretty sure he didn't make it up, but <laughs> that's well, Brian, where I got it from. Brian Tracy is my partner in the business coaching franchise. We built our franchise on the 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 business IP of Brian Tracy, and that's a Brian Tracy quote. That's awesome. Well, that's good to know. That brings you got it from your grandfather, though. I'll tell you that. I <laughs> Probably. <laughs> hey there. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by Builder Funnel. We're a digital marketing agency specialized in helping home builders, remodelers and contractors like yourself grow their businesses. We help you implement marketing and sales technology, such as marketing automation and a CRM system, as well as drive more traffic, leads, and sales through strategies like content marketing, SEO, social media, paid traffic, and email marketing. 
If you want to learn more and see if we're a good fit, just send a quick email to hello at builderfunnel.com and mention the podcast. I'll schedule a one-on-one website and digital marketing assessment with you where I'll take a look at your website, show you some areas where you can improve, and we can see if we're a good fit. If you haven't noticed already, our company is huge on education. We host this podcast, create tons of videos, and create helpful blog posts to educate you guys on marketing and sales. I'll pack a ton of value into the website assessment, and I'll never pressure you to buy from us, although we're confident you'll improve your marketing and sales efforts by doing so. Again, send me a quick note to hello at builderfunnel.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah. So, you know, I know right now market's pretty good. Things are, you know, moving along. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they don't necessarily say sales is a huge problem. You know, most companies are growing right now. Some aren't, you know, depending on the market, but we go in cycles, right? You know, so right now it's up and, and when it's down. So, I guess, are there certain areas of the sales process that you find that, you know, cabinet makers, contractors typically struggle with, or, you know, say, say it's the pre-qualification or once they get to an in-home appointment or an in-person appointment, they just kind of, they've got a few missing pieces that are really stalling out the close rate. Yeah. Is there anything that you, you find there? There, you just covered a a lot of real estate there. So, (laughs) Yeah. I'll but let you I, navigate where you want to go. <laughs> so there's a couple of high points here, though, that are really important. Um, going back to the profit leaks question that you had asked me earlier is I'll, I'll ask everybody at, who's a listener to your show, are you dealing with your ideal client? Because each company is set up to do something really, really well, almost better than anybody else. And not even all cabinet shops are the same. Just looking at their equipment. Uh, layout. You know, we're all different. And so who's our ideal client? For some, it's residential. For some, it's tenant improvements. For some, it's furniture, etc. Asking that question is critical because if you're trying to service the wrong client, you're losing money all the time. And you're just never getting ahead. And then you ask the question, what about somebody who's selling to residential, you know, homeowners? Mm-hmm. And there is a, a very well-defined process for selling in, a, in modern times. And it's not the old-fashioned selling. It's a, it's a process of selling called consultative selling, one that's built around the know, like, and trust model. And there's a certain series of steps that you follow that starts with just making sure you understand what is a prospect or what's a lead, what's a prospect, what's a qualified prospect, what's a client. Mm-hmm. And then inside there's all the tools you have for you know, how to sell. And it really comes down to understanding the buyer's needs almost better than they do. And there's a series of questions you can ask that would help with that. Yeah. And I want to jump back to what you first mentioned, which was knowing your target market and who you really serve best. Because I think that's often overlooked. You know, somebody says, oh, I'm in the, you know, remodeling business. I'm in the, you know, cabinet making business. And then you feel like, well, it's, it's everything under the sun in that category. And oftentimes that ends up hurting you because you try to be all things to all people. Yeah. And so I I guess, what would you tell somebody that says, okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, I know I need to narrow down my target market, but I'm worried about turning away business. Because I feel like that's always the, the question, which is, oh, you need to focus. You need to pick one target market or you have a couple of personas. We like to use that term in marketing. Right. What am I, you know, why go that route? And, I, and I'm scared of giving up other prospects and potential revenue. Yeah. Well, you, first of all, you can't start unless you have the data. Really simple. So 
Well, what I would suggest, this is what I would do in coaching is I say, well, let's get the accountant, the finance person to print off some financial metrics that tells us what is our most profitable kind of client. Yeah. So we look at the jobs and you automatically you split it from residential versus commercial, or you uh, in residential, you might say, you know, we're doing houses over X feet or houses under X feet, whatever it is, the numbers will actually tell you where you're most profitable and where you're not. <clears throat> and sometimes it comes down to also understanding, especially in the bigger cities, where in geography you can or can't do work. Because if you're on the, if you're in a busy city and you're on the, the east side of town and you've got a job on the west side of town, it looks like it's a great job, but you're not taking into account windshield time. And, and that can really eat at your profit. So there's a lot of different factors, but the answer is very easy to find. Like I said, just ask your finance person to lay out a profitability analysis. Just tell me how much did we bid on that job? How much were our actual costs? What was our profit on a job by job basis for last year? And the numbers are, they'll just tell you it's right there. I think that's awesome. And I would, I'll just kind of repeat it as kind of an action step from this, this episode, which is, Hey, go check out your numbers, maybe pull the last year, two years, or even as far as you can go and look at the numbers, like, like Dominic just said, and see what your best jobs are. And then you might start turning away things that look pretty different from that as a as a quick step and and uh, yeah that that's awesome advice because I think it's kind of tricky you kind of you go where do I start when trying to narrow this down and and boom that's that's kind of you're as close as you're going to get to a, a quick answer on on any of this stuff that you're working yeah. on in your business yeah the only thing I'd add to that is <clears throat> if that's not currently a habit when you close out a job now do it after every job like start making that one of your ongoing habits and then it just becomes part of what you do. Cool. I like that a lot. Now let's dive into one more thing. And that was one, one thing you mentioned at the beginning when I said, what are the common challenges? And you said, um, you know, exiting. And I kind of brought up the family part of business, which is, uh, I would say fairly common in the industry, but it doesn't have to be family related. I guess, how do you, how do you approach the, the exit factor when you think about your business, whether that's selling it or transitioning it. And I know those two paths look pretty different as well. Yeah. You know, the, the whole selling conversation can be a, a delicate one because there's, there's um, ego and I don't mean ego in a bad way, but I, I am the business. My name's on the door. My name's on the yeah. checks. Everybody know you know, the oldest clients want to talk to me. It's <laughs> all of that stuff. So that can be difficult, but really the first step is so simple. It's just putting systems in place. You know, I just don't want to sound negative, but things happen in life. I'd rather have my family ready to take over if I caught the flu and I couldn't come into work today. Well, <laughs> let me say it that <clears throat> versus uh, they just come into a, a mess and they can't figure out anything. So the simple way to go, and this doesn't take, take it away from me as the owner at all, is to start putting systems in place. And those systems is what helps you be proactive and, and makes the business more stable anyways. And somebody that's buying the business is looking for stability and cash flow because they're not actually buying your company. They want to buy the future potential to make money off this business. Yeah, I think that that's an awesome point. And really the only way somebody's going to get the most value out of that is if they can repeat what you did. And that yeah. comes back to systems, which is what you just mentioned. That's right. Yeah. And that's why businesses sell for those kinds of, uh, you know, you get more multiples or you, you get that value out of the business if it's a repeatable company. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm almost tempted to, to ask you if there's better systems, you know, is it your sales and marketing system or your delivery? But I kind of have a feeling that if, if you're rocking on the marketing and sales side, but you can't deliver, it's, it's not going to work and you kind of need, need yeah. everything in some ways. <laughs> you know, good cash flow hides bad management. Yeah. 
That's a little, that's a little <laughs> secret. Don't tell anybody I said that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but start at the top of the funnel and actually to quote your grandfather, nothing <laughs> happens until a sale is made. So let's start there. Let's get, get really good at bringing in the right kind of deals at the right kind of profitability. And just that conversation, that, that sentence there, everything else spins off of that. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, if you are in a position where you're thinking about selling in the next you know, couple of years or five or 10 years, even there's no better time to start working on your systems than, than today. I that's think right. that's, that's good advice. Now I've got another final question for you, but we've, we've kind of covered a lot. It's tough to, to dive into all these heavy business concepts and, and go super deep into all of them. But I, I feel like we've uncovered a lot of good action items for people, but, um, before I ask you the last question, where can people connect with you, find out more about you, that sort of thing? Oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. So my uh, podcast, I have a podcast. That's how you and I met, actually. You were a guest on on my show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The podcast is called Cabinet Maker Profit System. Uh, the website is called cabinetmakerprofitsystem.com. Yeah, the making it easy. Yeah. <laughs> see where I'm going with this? It's always... Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's very it's a long name, but it's very descriptive. It's Cabinet Maker Profit System, and and I'm happy to talk to anybody, even if they're not sure what they want to ask or how I might be able to guide them. It's what I do. I'm happy to have a conversation, and uh, and there's lots of free downloads on the site. I've got a podcast like yours where I interview great people like you. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, and I'll make sure that I link up the website and the the free download that we talked about today in the show notes. And yeah, please please take Dominic up on this if you have questions about your business or this. This episode kind of triggered a few things that you're thinking about. Um, he's a great guy, and I'm sure he'd be willing to, to answer some questions and see how he can help. Um, but my last question as we wrap for today is, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Think about why you're really in business. And I would suggest that none of us are in business for business reasons. We're in business for personal reasons. And you know that one struck me really hard when I, um, just just really quickly, the reason I sold the company I have right now, which has lots of franchisees, it's a great business. It's exactly what I do. Uh, the franchisees came to us and said, we want to sell the company. And I, my partner and I said, no, no, we don't want to do that. I came well, home thank that you. Thank you. We'll talk to you said soon. said to my wife over dinner, hey, we had an offer on the company today. And so it was an exciting conversation, right? This hadn't happened before. Yeah. And she said, what'd you say? And I said, no, 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 we're not going to sell. We're not ready to be sold yet. And so in the same conversation, though, I said, and next week, honey, I have to travel. I'm going to be gone Monday to Thursday. And my wife sits just right here to my right. And my son was behind her or, you know, next to her. And he just melted. And I thought, what am I doing? What, what am I doing? And so I went back the next day and talked to my partner and said, I understand we're not going to sell, but I'm open for it. Yeah. And, uh, that's my, you know, I, I don't need to travel. To, I've done it. Yeah, I, th I think that's really good advice. I mean, sometimes you you find yourself in business one way or another, and and you don't ever stop to think about that. You know, why why am I doing this, and what's my my ultimate purpose, whether that's business related or personal, or however that ties in for you. But really being confident in that and thinking about it, and that makes it easier to move through those challenges too. So yeah, Dominic, that's that's awesome advice to end on, and and thank you so much for joining me today. This was great. I love it. Thank you, Spencer. You're a great interview. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, 
remember, never stop learning. See you next time.